0: Right, everybody welcome to show me the Mooney episode 11 we're here right now on Mooney of course we got Shug here yes sir we got a uh, Joel what's up, guys and today we got uh Darnell joining us what's up everybody it's an honor to be here on the show actually uh Darnell and Shug uh recorded something that's on the b-sides just want to check that out it's more of a side side little uh thing we got going on
1: yeah it's gonna be yeah, like a, a it's gonna be a one on one you know conversational story telling type of show unlike you know the main show which is is this this show it won't be too many like uh topics and segments and stuff like that we're just gonna be talking and and maybe some of the stuff like we we talk- um is uh extended things that we hadn't got the chance to say on here, but it's more personal. So that's going to be something different. it's going to be, you know, Mike and I guess, me and I guess, Joel maybe and I guess, and Darnell and I guess at some point, like, you know, we're just trying to expand the Shook Me, to Mooney um, platform now that we're, you know, into the double digits. And, you know, we're coming up with our YouTube soon. Uh, Mike's already starting doing some phenomenal things with that. So we can't wait to show you that. And we can't wait to do more of these B-Sides. I think the B-Side we did last night was great. And you're going to get to see Darnell's talents today.
2: (laughs) And uh, I like what you guys are creating. And I support you a thousand percent. You know, we go way back, bro. It's all love. Continue doing your
0: thing, your hustle. I'm always going to be here, man. Okay, great. So we got a couple of topics today. We're going to start off with uh, the Washington football team of the NFL. Uh, pretty much the last couple of weeks, they've been in the news, uh, not for anything uh, positive. I mean, it's positive and negative in some ways. Uh, a lot of controversy, basically. And uh, it came to light, there was a lot of hype behind the announcement. But a couple of days ago, uh, a bomb shot dropped uh, involving the organization's, we uh, call it a toxic culture. Okay, so the 1st up—that's our first uh, topic for today—a uh, little bit of sports, and then we're going to jump into another uh, situation that came up last week uh, involving Nick Cannon. We'll will jump into that, and then finally, we're going to do a little uh, something lighthearted with uh, pro wrestling-related because I'm a big pro wrestling guy, and uh, that should be good. It's about Orange Cassidy. He's been on social media a lot. A lot of mainstream people are seeing him in GIFs, and gifts, and I see him in like gifts about not even about wrestling now. He's uh, kind of in that realm now where people are using him for just generic memes and GIFs. So we're going to jump into that too.
1: All right. So the Washington Redskins have been in the news for the last month or so. We talked
0: about it a little
1: bit, um, a couple of episodes with the name change. And I had said during the episode that due to their resistance over the last 20 years or so towards changing the name that by the time they actually did it, there would be very little um, goodwill to be shared on their way and with a new recent story that had been hyped around actually around the same time the Redskins did announce that they were going to drop the name and drop the logo uh, it finally came out I think on Tuesday a Washington Post article basically detailing that under Dan Snyder's watch there was a tremendous amount of sexual harassment and basically a toxic work environment for women. So just uh, to give some background, Dan Snyder bought the team and the stadium, FedEx field, for $800 million in 1999. So inflation for today, that would probably be around like a billion, a billion two. So it was a very expensive purchase. And these allegations cover 2006 to 2019, so 13 years. And some of the allegations include uh, unwelcome overtures or comments of sexual nature. Uh, The female employees were encouraged to flirt and wear revealing clothing to close deals with season ticket holders. And when we talk about season ticket holders, we're not talking about, like, you know, the guy uh, up in the nosebleeds. We're talking about these guys that own those, um like, $20,000 luxury boxes. So their affluent clientele, they would send their female employees and their cheerleaders uh, basically to be cocktail waitresses and, like, star tenders, if, if you know starlets. Here, here in the Bronx.
0: Yeah, they had that like Vegas. I
1: don't know. They were basically sending these girls to to um to entice uh these wealthy men to to purchase um luxury boxes and purchase season tickets to this football team. And actually, one of the the people that were accused. His defense was like, I barely even remember working with that person, or barely even remember that person. Uh, that was his defense. It wasn't even like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't do it. It was, I don't even remember her. So that, that's really not really, that, that's really not like a denial. It's, it's basically um, dismissal. It's
0: also like ignorance right. is defense, like, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, in court. It's like you did not like just say I don't remember. Especially even if you're like intoxicated and you don't remember, you're still like responsible.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the NFL well the Redskins, that's not a he hired an independent uh, law firm to do some investigating into the matter. So it won't be some some people, you know, employed by the Redskins, it'll be an independent firm, uh, supposedly that will investigate this thing. And the NFL is basically waiting for that investigation to be completed in order for them to act. And a lot of people were calling for, you know, the same thing that happened to Donald Sterling with the Clippers and the NBA, where Adam Silver effectively banned him from the team and forced him to sell the team uh, to a different owner and banish him from the league for his racist comments. Uh, But by all accounts and reports, you know, something of that nature isn't going to happen to the Redskins. Uh, At best, it would probably be a fine of some sort. You know, maybe like a a late draft pick, uh, you know, stripping them of like a late round draft pick, but it won't be anything as serious. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, this team, as I stated in, in the last episode where we talked about them, it's basically not really a relevant franchise football-wise. And all they seem to do is just have bad headlines following them. So I just wanted to hear everybody's take. I'm going to start with you, Mike.
0: Yeah, you, you touched on uh, the Clippers situation. And uh, actually a couple of years ago, uh, another NBA franchise, uh, uh, controversy the Dallas Mavericks. And one of the people that are coming out in the last couple of days is Mark Cuban. Uh, the owner of the Mavericks, and he's basically saying uh, you have to accept uh, Snyder has to accept responsibility uh, of the mistakes, and what happened with the uh, with the Mavericks should be applied to uh, Roger Goodell dealing with the Redskins. That's one of the things that popped up that I was uh, I've been hearing about lately, and also uh, I think uh, it happens with a lot of corporations. There's a lot of like don't ask, don't tell with like you mentioned like cocktail wasters that's what i was like thinking about kind of like uh maybe like in hollywood too it's like uh they didn't explicitly explicitly tell them to do it and it's just like hinted at and uh you can the women uh could, you know can like uh read you know like read body language of like what they should be doing and that's a toxic uh that's a toxic uh workplace one one uh accuser Said it went from the dream job to a nightmare, mm-hmm. and that's terrible. Like you work, you work all your life, you know, dancing, you know, cheerleading, and all that, and then when you show up, you find out that it's not the place you you envisioned growing up, and uh, and then of course the Redskins are like, the, the public's like enemy number one f- with all this, but obviously this happens with like majority of the franchises because if it happened there, and New one Batted it and I, the other owners. Uh, you can assume that it's kind of like a it's prevalent. I mean, I'm not sure. There's a lot of like family owned business, uh, uh, franchises, but uh, the ones that are owned by businessmen they apply what they use in their like business world and they apply it to this. So I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of weeks, uh, we, we hear more about it. Darno,
2: uh, definitely. Um, uh, you and Mike, you guys pretty much did a good job of summarizing um, everything, but. From my personal perspective, I think this sheds light on a lot of the dark things that goes on within the NFL. Uh, not just everything that's going with the, the women who are part of these teams, but uh, light on, in this situation, the owner of the Redskins. And because there's also reports going on uh, on how he pretty much paid off, uh, I believe, some officials and, and referees for certain games um, and things like that.
3: Yeah, um, that is- going
2: along with everything else going. on. Everything along with that to go with the controversy with, you know, the, the women, you know, using them pretty much, pretty, pretty much pimping, pimping out the women uh, to bring their clients out. Um, so, and with that happening, you gotta assume that he's most likely not the only, you know, owner and there's not, you know, there's possibility that might be, you know, doing something like this as well. Uh, totally agree and there's a chance that you know there's
3: other teams also within the NFL that might be doing this as well. Yeah, Joel. You guys know me by now. We've been speaking about this for like pretty much the first episode about this NFL being racist. It's just a matter of time. Like honestly, it's it's gonna get to the point where they're just gonna have to investigate every team. They're gonna have to put every owner right on like put every owner on blast, honestly. I bet you that way they'll like, every owner of these, especially the Redskins, they'll start seeing a change. Then if every owner is just put on blast, it can't just be one owner. Like, obviously, everybody's focusing on the Redskins. But, you know, deep down inside, there's got to be more than just one owner in the NFL that just doesn't get
0: it. And you got to set an example somehow. You know what? Also, right. uh, I'll jump in. Um, a lot of things, like, it's the news cycle and, like, the social media people, uh, there's so many things going on, like, people forget in a week. Uh, like, this right. happened a couple of weeks after the name change. And every, so, you look up Washington and like, Redskins now, that, this Snyder thing pops up. But I think there was something that happened this weekend with Madden 21, and they're gonna, that, that game's going to come out in a couple of weeks. And they, they've removed every mention of the logo and, like, the, the name is just going to be a generic team for now? So I think uh, in a couple of weeks, people are going to bring it up again because people are going to be playing the game and it's going to be all over social media again. Like, they're going to, like, take photos of it and just, like, bring it up again. Uh, and also, if there's if they don't start playing till like, uh, later than normal, there's nothing really to talk about. Like, usually we'll be talking about, like, spring training or preseasons and all that. But, you know, we're, t- we're focusing on more uh, political stuff. And then also... Um, if you want to, you can't just say this is a one-off because we're we're assuming that it's going on is like prevalent. But it's also a lot of the people like even the cheerleaders. If they were like cheerleaders in the N- NCAA, you got you got to assume because we've heard we've heard stories about the NCAA like where they're like they use the word pimping out like pimping out girls to like the players to bring them into the school. So you, it's a kind of like a systematic thing where like um, they've been doing like the, even the players are uh, they won't say anything they won't whistle blow. Cause They think it's like normal for it to happen, you know, so it's not just simply this redskin situation it's kind of you know it's like the whole culture of the league and american sports, so it just is deeper than uh, like a one one off story yeah
1: and um one of the things that a couple other allegations that were we'll put out um the employee that uh Mike mentioned. That said, you know, her dream job turned to a nightmare. Her name was Emily Applegate. And she actually said that one of the people she accused routinely berated her for like minor things, but at the same time would compliment her on her body. And a text from one person to a female employee discussed an office debate over whether or not her breasts were real or not. And that person also told her repeatedly that he intended to squeeze her butt despite her objections and six employees accused, uh, one guy of pressuring them to date him and two reporters, uh, Rhiannon Walker of the athletic and Nora Prince of the ringer had told, uh, the Washington post that that same person had also harassed them. So, you know now they're treating female reporters who are basically not working even working for them and trying to do their job he they're harassing other people now too and dan snyder his he he released a statement he uh, he he said that his he there's a cultural change that he started or has been started with the Washington football team. And he keeps throwing the coach, the new coach, Ron Rivera, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, throwing him in front of it. When you hired him, you didn't decide to change the name. When you hired him, you never admitted or even brought up these allegations before, you know, the, the Washington Post did. So what did you really change? I feel like in a league where you're holding players accountable and they have to be upstanding citizens. Like, the owners should be held to the same esteem, if not more so, because you're the stewards of the game. Like, you're the owners and the operation, and it starts from the top. So if this toxic, you know, thing had been going on for those 13 years, and maybe even then some, for all we know, like, it should be acknowledged and it should be punished. And I think this is one of the times Roger Godell once again is you know going to be you know put in a magnifying glass because we're gonna have to see what he does about it because if you're you're this hard on players for certain things and you're this hard on like teams for certain things like you have to get on the owners I understand they pay you your salary but you're the commissioner in the game you should be pushing the game forward and for the last 10 years the NFL has basically been pushing a lot of nonsense and letting a lot of nonsense slide. And just based on the fact that it's this nation's most popular sport, they've been getting by by it. So so hopefully uh they're held accountable. Mike?
0: Yeah, basically um like Roger Goodell is kind of blaming or putting the pressure on Snyder. Snyder's putting the pressure sort of on like Rivera and the uh the the training staff and everything like basically blaming them but if you want to be like a leader you gotta you gotta stand up and like take responsibility it starts with the top, which is fidel and then it goes down and then down you know because you gotta how are you going to enforce rules to these uh because the signer wasn't involved apparently so like in they had like a photo shoot with calendar photo shoot this is the this is the 2013 uh not 2013 yeah 2013 with washington redskins they did a cheerleader poster Calendar, and that's where a lot of the allegations came from uh, that Shug mentioned too. Uh, But it's all about uh, accountability. And uh, with all this going on with the Redskins, uh, like Shug said, that uh, they're not that viable, but they they are still the seventh most valuable franchise in the NFL. Because I I don't know why. I guess they're playing in a major market. Yeah, in the East Coast, uh, uh, they're they're actually like the hundredth year of them. yeah, they right. won
1: Super Bowls, played in Super Bowls at you know points in history. So they, they're like you know a well-known
0: commodity. Yeah. So basically, if the Nike and everyone uh, took uh, the, took the merchandise off, they're becoming more and more of a liability because you're not you're not bringing in ratings if you're not like in like the championships anymore, and you're not bringing in merchandise. So it's all about money. I I feel a lot of the things that happen. It's financially motivated. So basically, um, they're going to get pressure put on them by the NFL. So we'll see in the next couple weeks. Um, uh, I'm interested in seeing with, again, the whole tier. The NFL has to make a decision soon.
1: Oh, and one more, like, um other thing that was brought up was um basically uh, the, the, the female workers, they felt compelled to basically tolerate this stuff because they were told if they complained, you know there were like a thousand women or a thousand other people that you know would they could replace them with you know their their job you know they were basically expendable so if you want to complete if you don't like the environment you could leave we got somebody else rather than all right we got to change this we got to make this a better working environment for you guys and you know with the me me too stuff and reading um a lot of the things i found with, with this situation I, it's just incredible to me that this type of thing is still going on because Mike, I guess we basically lied to these people, you know, when we did the Mad Men episode and said like all that stuff was like in the past, it's apparently still going on. And if if we we're talking about equality, it has to be equality for everybody. Like if a woman is um, extremely qualified and she wants to work, for a professional sports team or she wants to work anywhere for that matter and she's qualified, she shouldn't have to go to work and have to be, you know, harassed and basically, you know, forced to deal
0: with with these type of things and preyed upon, yeah. yeah, with the fear of losing your job or losing your spot. And that's in every – that's the the Me Too at Hollywood. And uh, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And around the same time uh, in June – uh, there was a speak out movement which was kind of like the equivalent to the me too and a huge percentage of like the lower um, non like WWE people uh got called out and then just got taken away. And it's a very tight knit community on the on the internet, like the indie scene. So uh think about that. There's only like what like 500 to like six hundred professionals in the world that do this. And if like the trainer is basically saying like if you if you don't I, hey, there's somebody else over here, and it's a physical thing. Like they probably, you know, there's a physical uh, uh, entertainment. Where like they had to like get in the ring with them, and that must be terrible because they're afraid that this is their dream, and if they don't do what what's being implied, they lose their spot, and then there's a there's another girl or a woman who's ready to go, and maybe she'll do whatever. So it's a whole like.
1: Uh, and there was also something I heard that like they only had one their HR department their home, human resources department was basically just one person that was responsible for 220, uh, employees. So.
3: Man, please. HR, no matter what job it is, HR is there for the company. It ain't never there for the employees.
1: But I'm saying the fact that it's like, no one my for the fact that it was like yeah. one person, like you, you, you're basically, if I go and complain, like let's say, uh, shook me the Mooney was a company. And Mike was the HR person, and like I was like the CEO. And Joel, uh, Joel, you and Darnell felt that like I was like bullying y'all or uh, doing, you know, like insulting or basically things that are inappropriate in the workplace. And you guys go to Mike, Mike still reports to me. So rather than having like a a HR team that's independent of the, the company and basically works for the employees, you know, you probably basically have somebody that works for Dan Snyder and, you know, Dan Snyder's inner circle, especially if it's the inner circle, the owner's buddies and the luxury suite season ticket holders or the ones who are doing the harassing is very hard to to police. And the fact that they only had one person, you know, that's something the NFL ought to look into. Like what, what, like, what kind of practices is this? is this that, you know, this professional billion dollar franchise is running? Like, you know, we work for a company where we had a phone line and we called them and there's a million different people that answer the phone anytime you call them. And they make a file and they talk. They go through the different channels. Like for these women, they have to deal with one person, and God only knows what type of like character they were dealing with there. If you understand what I'm saying.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah uh, that's a perfect uh, analogy for that. It's basically also if you want to put in uh, player terms, they have the players' association. Like if they feel uncomfortable, they're they're protected. Uh, why not like the women? Uh, have something that they could uh, exactly like a uh, more than just an HR person, more like an independent uh, group, because it'd be like 32 teams have uh, all the women. Yeah, and also with actual on the field analogy, we'd be like, imagine if there was like one head coach, the head coach did everything, defense, special team. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. People would feel like they're not getting the most out of it, and that's why they had like specialized trainers and everything, and Uh, I didn't even know. That's insane, like one HR person for a uh, billion-dollar company.
1: Yeah, And then another rumor um, that wasn't reported in this report, but that was circulated around the time that the report was getting ready to drop, was that the the former coach, Jay Gruden, he uh, basically had an affair with, like, a receptionist, and that same receptionist was sleeping also with the team's running back and the coach and Gruden found out about it and he was upset so he benched that player because they were messing with the same woman he benched that player and that player's replacement missed a block on Alex Smith and wow. Alex Smith's like career is basically over and you know if I, like i said that's a rumor because it wasn't reported in the in the in the Washington Post report but if that's true like NFL, what are you what are you doing?
3: I feel like the, like the NFL, like even baseball, like they take domestic violence way more serious than like sexual like sexual assault when it comes to like every time like you hear about a, somebody hitting their wife, which is just as bad. I'm not condoning that it's just as bad. But every time you hear a baseball player like, you know, hit his wife, suspension automatically or fine. Like, they really don't do that when it comes to, like, sexual assault. You don't hear about it as much. And you should need to treat it as equal. It's not better. Hitting a woman isn't better than sexually harassing her and vice versa. So they really gotta come up with a plan to just, like I said, it starts from the top, obviously. Like, I think we've all said it. it
2: definitely does. And I'm not sure if you guys seen, but I was reading a- another report uh, about There was possibly some parties that they were planning out, and within those parties, uh, there were sexual, you know, situations going on there at the parties, and of course, along with that, drugs being a part of that as well. So there's definitely a lot of uh, things going
0: on within the NFL right now. Yeah. Yeah. Also with Jay Gruden, uh, there was a uh, safety DJ swearing. You hear about that? So he basically said uh, he was very vague about it, but he said. Uh, they all need to be exposed, and uh, he. The example was that he, well, the only example yeah. that they offered was that uh, after a play he was scolded in front of everyone, which is I think head coaches are or coaches in general are supposed to be hard, kind of yeah. like they They take the boot camp like, mentality, uh, but it, he was vague about it. It wasn't specifically only Jay Gruden, so uh, I'm not sure where he is at now. I'm sure you're more. Uh, knowledgeable on, like, players and everything. I'm not sure where he's at now.
1: Yeah, I'm not too too aware of him, but, you know, I believe with this type of thing, these things are usually, like, the tip of the iceberg. So there might be a lot more that comes out in the coming weeks, especially with training camps starting. And, and then the NFL, uh, they've been – what's being brought to light is, you know, their safety – they really – Since the COVID-19 epidemic, you know, got started, you know, that was in March and we're getting into August and the NFL really hasn't had like a plan for, you know, as far as health protocols and keeping players safety. So, you know, the NFL is going to catch heat for that. So the fact that we're all home and it's like Mike said, you know, we're not focusing on the actual, on the field stuff now. It's a lot more political and a lot of things off the field. So the NFL in general might be under a microscope scope a lot more than they have been in the past. And as we will see in the next few weeks. I just think this
2: says light on a lot. And um, it's crazy. Just a few years ago, obviously, we had the whole, you know, uh, situation that took place in the NFL. And during the moment, of it, he got a lot of heat for that, um, you know, taking a stand and you know not agreeing to just pledge, you know, to the flag. But with all of these reports, especially coming out and everything that was going on right then, and still that's going on now, you know, like everything he stood for, you know. Yeah, and that's and, something.
1: and he he was he you know Colin Kaepernick by one 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 side of society was viewed as like a bad guy. One all the time, like some of the bad guys were the guys up in the in the, the, the owner's suite.
0: Okay, yeah. so uh, a lot of things revolving around this and uh, other sports and other things in uh, pop culture, uh, it's kind of like the status quo. The people that are, are vocal about don't change this, don't change that, it's the status quo. They're, do- they, they're doing well. I'm a reasonable guy. I'm, you know, I'm kind of like a moderate guy. Uh, I can see both sides, but the people that are about status quo, they're they they enjoy they. This is their idea of normal. And then other people are saying, no, it shouldn't be like this. Changes need to be made, and they're rocking the boat. I just find it ironic because uh, a lot of the people who who prefer things to stay the same were always saying that things need to change, but they were kind of pointing at people that are trying to be more progressive. So it's kind of like they just they don't want to rock the boat because they're this is like their their mindset like this is normal but I think we're gonna see more and more changes. And I think it's for the better. Not everything needs to completely change. There's some things that um, that are still work and everything. And I just think, uh, I think in the long run, um, things will like, be, the new normal will be better off.
3: Uh, Joel? That's like sexual assault. Like this the whole idea of being at work whether you're a male or female, it's just you're at work, you're trying to work, whether it is you know, the NFL, whether it's what we do, nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Nobody wants to be harassed, whether it's sexually or verbally. And obviously that's just something that has to stop all around Just with us as humans. It starts there, period. And so the owners, like I said, I keep saying it, I sound like a broken record, but they really just gotta break down each and every owner because it starts there. Like, it starts with people with the money. It always starts with the money. Once they start tracking down or getting into these owners' heads, you're gonna start seeing, uh, you know, changes slowly, like Mike said, slowly. But that's the main thing that has to stop, is the sexual assault, the domestic violence, and the racism is cut off automatically. That has to stop right away. Because that's the like, the main
0: thing we've been talking about. and. Yeah, that just starts with the owners. Got to break them down. Okay, now we're gonna talk about something else in the news. It involves Nick Cannon. Most uh, everyone remembers Nick Cannon. He's been he's been uh, he's been around for over 20, 20 years. It kind of like grew up with him because he was on uh, children's shows, kids shows, teen shows, and uh, he hosted. Uh, Mary, he was like one of the guys on Mary's Sky Talent, I believe. And uh, recently, he was he has a show the podcast radio show and uh he was like speaking his mind and what he said is being interpreted as anti-semitic if you want me i can i can say what he said he's alluding to uh him black people being like semitic which is you know jewish they're original semitic people uh we are the same people and uh not hate speech you can't be uh anti-semitic or we're semitic people as well uh we the final thing this is the co- actual quote though. I was paraphrasing this is the quote. Uh we are true Hebrews. And immediately uh there was a backlash and uh I'm gonna pose with the shook first. Uh what are your thoughts on this?
1: Listen, as a purchaser of Nick Cannon's debut album, which I hate to admit, but <laughs> <the> shit <laughs> had some fucking bops on it. <laughs> oh, man, I- <laughs> <laughs> I would just support it like like I said I, I, I like like Mike said, we grew up watching him because he was on all that. um and you know he he's gone on and and even like me, I'm not really a fan of like walling out and stuff like that, but i've I've seen him had his you know hands in different things, and he always seemed to to be like securing some kind of bag and for him to just fumble it the way he did, and I don't understand over the last couple of years, he's been very active uh, as far as you know social justice and stuff like that. And uh, what he did was he brought on Professor Griff, formerly of Public Enemy, who's in the past made some homophobic and anti-Semitic uh, quotes in the past. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons he was kicked out of Public Enemy because you know, they want Def Jam. Leo Cohen is Jewish, and and he he he's a part owner of Def Jam. And Rick Rubin uh, used to produce for Def Jam, and and was a part owner of Def Jam. And I believe, Rick, if I'm not mistaken, I'm I'm not sure, but I, I think he was also Jewish. So you know, you're rocking a lot of boats. And we we got into it uh, in the last episode when we talked about Deshaun Jackson with this um, anti-Semitic thing in a black community. And personally, I just feel like they, it's uh, being blown out of like proportion because it's being like generalized that black people in general seem to have uh, anti-Semitic or uh, anti-Jewish beliefs. And as I said in that episode, we have actual problems. Where in that we don't need to be creating problems with other communities than ourselves, dealing with the police, dealing with government, dealing with institutional racism, stuff like that. But at the same time, I feel like how swiftly Viacom cut ties with him, you know, where Fox News, they could have Laura Laura Ingram go on there and talk about. And, and talk about, you know, the two most famous ba- basketball players telling them they shouldn't be voicing their opinion. They should just shut up and dribble. When fast forward to the other day, she says Drew Brees, also a professional athlete who was criticized for for things he said, you know, he said she she didn't really have that same shut up and dribble or shut up and, and throw the ball view when it came to a white athlete. And then the things that Tucker Carlson says which is ironic because he fired a writer for having a racist for posting on a racist uh, chat room or something like that but he ended up going on I, I joke because he ended up going on a vacation Tucker Carlson did and I feel like since he lost that racist writer he doesn't have any material because he lost you know his his main material because all his crap is always very like White supremacist, uh, adjacent stuff. But my my point is, or the thing that I, I find difficult to to grasp is just the accountability that's held up for black people when they say something, as opposed to when non blacks or white people say these things. You know, they kind of either have a platform or they could give a heart, half hearted apology without doing anything. Like Nick Cannon, he's gonna have to uh, reestablish himself uh, in in some way with society now for things he said, and the things he said personally, I feel like they should have been dismissed, if not by him personally, it should have been uh, dismissed by people in general because the things he was saying were like mythological crap that you know dudes the the, the black israelites you will see them on like 125th uh just street preaching and oh, yeah them whole and they 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 just give you i, I mean to to t- t- to be fair a lot of african history or black history from before we got off the slave ships have been erased because and I'm sorry, like Joel, I'm sorry. I'm have to go hold up with it because they basically, yeah, they basically beat out our history because you couldn't carry on traditions to the different generations and stuff like that. Not to mention that uh, mothers were being sold away from their children, children were being sold away from their parents. So the the history and the tradition of of Afri- Af- the African people in this country has basically been lost. So what happens is, you know, these people like the Black Israelites and Professor Griff, like they read these, they they get this literature where they kind of make up their own history and like the history uh, supposedly was like some uh, doctor or something, which is kind of crazy because there weren't doctors back in like biblical times uh went up to a mountain and created a mutated race and that mutated race became white people and, and even saying it it just like sounds ridiculous. But you know he he should have been he he should have been knowledgeable about the platform that he he had and he shouldn't have like,
3: you know, messed his bag <coughs> up. Shouldn't have fumbled the bag. Joel? Like that's that like that's like you said, chill, like I've known in Cannon. I've been a fan of him since Nickelodeon days and all that. He had his own show on Nickelodeon. I'm a fan of Walla now. I'm a fan of everything he does minus his rapping. I know, like, my bad show, he bought his album. <laughs> but, One you know, album. One album. Yeah, I mean, he... he I, I guess, you know, he attempts to rap good. But I like everything else he does, you know. Everything else he does is awesome in the canon. And, uh, and honestly, like, it, I'd rather like he's actually, like, been posting some cryptic messages on Instagram, like like cryptic, like suicidal, and it's to that point where it's like it's getting that bad, and like I was like at this point you just gotta pray for Nick, honestly. Like everything, like his comments are obviously were insensitive, and obviously the the you know we're in that type of moment now where everything is just insensitive. But it's not to the point where the man has to take his own life. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen, like, this, I've looked at it. Like Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Critical.
1: And I actually, I actually, like, com- I commented on it. And I was like, yo, like, bro, like, you got children. Like, don't let these people, like, make you do something, like, irrational. Like, you got kids. Yeah, bro. for
3: real. Like, it's, like, his comments was insensitive, uh, but it's never, it should never drive someone to kill themselves, especially knowing Nick Cannon didn't mean. Obviously, it was insensitive, but you could tell when someone means insensitive. When someone really wants to be racist, you can't hide that. Nick was obviously just saying his feelings, whether it was insensitive, obviously to the Jewish community. I'm not condoning that, but it still shouldn't lead him to suicide. Like that's just too much.
1: Yeah, just to clarify, so we really got to praise for Nick. Just to to clarify, he he um I think it, he clarified it a little bit that he meant he was like leaving. Social media and taking like a little time away from the public eye, but the way he did say right. it, like I, like Joel, I, I thought it was su- it, it, it. Either
3: seemed- way, either way, like you never know. It, it, it could it, it could be a cop out. Honest, you never know. Like at this point, just you gotta pray for it. Uh, like, even if he did mention that, like you still gotta pray and hope he doesn't do that. Like, and it's not just that it happened with uh, I believe I think it was Tomar for something uh, unrelated to like. Insecure like, you know, being on in sensitive comments, but anytime anyone speaks about suicide it's like really gotta like pray for them at this point. Uh Darnell, I know
1: you wanted to talk about it last night, but I, I told you we were gonna talk about it today, so I know you have something to say.
2: Definitely, bro. I can't wait for this. Um I'm also a big fan of um uh, Nick as well. Um just like probably most of us grew up, you know, watching him on Nickelodeon. Um, all the way to Wild and Out. And I'm a big fan because you can tell he's just a, uh, he seems like a pretty cool guy, you know, aside from all, you know, the fame and everything. But, you know, he's a good businessman, obviously. He's done some, some pretty great things, I feel like, you know, for my community, especially. Um, and he's definitely intelligent. Um, so definitely put me on the guard, you know, with everything you know, what, what he said with, um, pertaining, you know, the Jewish um, community that definitely put me a little off guard. Um, I feel like he was caught up in his bag a little bit for sure, you know, with a combination of everything that's going on, you know, within society, within the world that has been going on, you know, um, you could tell he's a very, you know, smart guy and, you know, he, he seems like an emotional guy. So, and sometimes that sensitivity could get the best of you, you know, I can relate a little bit and I'm pretty sure as well, you know, and, and show that you guys can relate a little bit to a certain extent as well. You know, being black, you know, in an America and seeing everything that's going on, you know, it could really, it could get to you a little bit, but we, we have to balance it out and understand that we can't take out our anger, you know, on a whole entire nation. And this goes for, for both sides. This goes for, you know, the oppressed and the oppressors, you know, we can't, you know, treat everyone, you know, the same, just based on the action, the actions on this, you know, for example, you know, we can't say that all cops, you know, are pigs, you know, just because we see, you know, demonstrations of police brutality going on, or police genocide going on, and, you know, that's the same case scenario when it comes to, you know, Jews, when it comes to the whites or any other, you know, background, we can't just judge them just based on, you know, actions of the select few. Uh, so, I think Nick, you know, he, and I, I wish him, you know, the best because he seems like he's, you know, in a certain mindset right now, which he might be, you know, going through su- suicidal thoughts, which is really serious. So, you know, I'm praying for him. I'm a big fan of him. Um, I think he just got caught up in a moment and he was very emotional. I don't, I can't say if he really meant what he had said, but... He definitely was caught up
1: in, in the moment that he caught up in his you know I wish him the best of luck yeah, and um when he cut ties with Viacom he he not only woundd out but he was also like a high ranking executive for the teen Nick channels, so you know obviously he's he's lost that unfortunately for him um but did he actually offer to bring him onto his channel, ReVote. And, you know, what I also learned from this is like, you know, Black ownership is, is something that a lot of people need to, to look into because as you can see with these different communities, whenever it's us saying something about, you know, or, or something it, one, something that could be construed as discriminatory to some, some other group of people, you know, us, us as blacks, we lose our jobs, but if right. he was to go to someplace like revolt, that's black owned, you know, there's nobody to like pull the rug on him. Uh, Tyler Perry said the same thing too. Like he wanted ownership of his own movies. Cause you know, he didn't want, you know, the, the, the studio to tell him how to make black films. Or make black TV shows, and he didn't want. He built a studio uh, out there in Atlanta that's probably like the hugest studio in the world. And he he did that just off of the strength that he he wanted to be able to do things in house. So I I think for everything that Nick Cannon was doing, and I always say like if there's two people I never turn on and check, it's Nick Cannon and and Shaquille O'Neal they always sent something so so hopefully he, he bounced back from this but mike I, I wanted to to hear from you because you know he he didn't he you know he talked about white white people offensively so as you know the white person here i would like to to, to hear hear your thoughts on it
0: and hey, great i appreciate uh, you guys point of view here um we touched on his uh, twitter post uh he, it was his apology it was like two in the morning and then like a half hour later is when he said, uh, you can keep the planet, I'm out of here. And then the next uh, quote from him was uh, saying that people turned his back on him. So it was like, uh, I, I'm gonna touch on uh, mental health, a different point of view. I, I'm a big advocate for like making sure uh, everyone's, uh, It's the same as being physically, like mental health. So from my point of view, we gotta, you, you gotta keep an eye on him and make sure he gets through this with like his own community like you mentioned with uh he did with revolt. Maybe he'll feel uh, good the support uh that he needs. Um also we talked about Deshaun Jackson and he an Edelman uh from who's the Patriots uh player, he uh suggested that we go to the, the Holocaust Museum and then Deshaun Jackson to the African American Museum. Same thing with Nick Cannon. They, uh, they, in one of the articles I read, they were saying that we're gonna take them uh, to someone in the community, the Jewish community, and they're gonna help educate them on their own uh, struggle in history, throughout history. Also, one of the also articles, the uh, press releases was from CBS Viacom, but also the sub company is someone else we talked about recently, Lionsgate, who was with Mad Men, and they offered, just to uh, show a disclaimer before their series, uh, and then so they had a press release saying this is unacceptable. Um, but in the future, we would love to work with Nick Cannon. So basically, he's kind of in a timeout. So uh, he had a show that was going to come out in the fall. Now it's pushed back to the full 2021. So I don't know if, if he signed a contract with Revolt, was that is that going to avoid it? And will that kind of like blacklist him? You know, of the you know. So that's the thing he has to worry about in business-wise. But I think it's important that he keeps his own mental health Check and everything, and uh, actually, I grew up as a Public Enemy fan. So I was well aware of like Professor Griff's uh, early '90s statement that is basically, if you look up Professor Griff, that'll pop up. Um, A lot of things uh, was in the music industry. Uh, A lot of the artists obviously were African American, and growing up, like there was always kind of like a a relationship between the people in charge with the record label and everything. So this is like nothing new. Uh, it's been going on for a while, but just that this year uh it's heightened sensitivity. So uh I think in the long run we'll see what happens with Nick Canon. As a as a white person, I've been on the subway, I've been I've heard things same thing he said. Uh, you mentioned hundred twenty fifth street, i would be like waiting for a subway and I'd hear this thing and people got people got their opinion and everything. Um like white people say the same thing. And if they were in a one on one relationship with someone uh, maybe their opinions would change, uh, but it 's like an ideology, so it's it 's like kind of like a bigger bigger picture but uh i don't know, like you know mccannon said what he said i 'm not jewish uh not black or anything, so affects people talking uh if they 're hurt Jewish community is hurt and uh i can't i can 't speak for them can 't speak for anyone besides besides myself and uh i i 'm not even saying as like a, as a like like so i 'm talking about me personally uh so long story short, you know, I I'm not that I'm not like personally offended. Uh, I I worked up I worked in uh, media. McCannon his his whole life he was in media. So that's basically he 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 grew up in a community, and they he feels that they turn, turned turned uh, their back on him. So basically he feels lost now. I think uh, he's looking for someone to back him up. And we'll see where where he lands because uh, uh, the commu- different communities, basically, and where is he gonna rely on as a support is what I'm uh, interested in hearing about.
1: Yeah, he also, also in his um in, in one of his tweets, that was were his cryptic tweets was that because he eventually apologized to Fox, or after his apology, Fox decided to keep him. On um, the mass Singer as a host, but with that, people started, uh, you know, calling him the 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 black community turned their back on him because then they started saying like, "Oh, you, your Uncle Tom for like apologizing, apologizing, and your coon for like apologizing." So he basically feels like, you know, he he got his it it, it, it was kind of a a thing you can't win you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I think that's why he felt the pressure to just kind of, like, step away from the, the public um, spotlight and kind of keep to himself and kind of, like, you know, re-energize and, you know, rejuvenate himself some way. And, you know, hopefully in a couple of weeks or however long it takes, like, we come back and we get a new, refreshed, energized Nick Cannon because, you know, that that, that man is, like, an intelligent, businessman so if you could go back and figure this whole thing out like it, it just even it speaks even more to his talent
0: right uh like we said like mass singer his own show uh he's like one of the hardest working men in uh entertainment maybe he's just feeling drained right now and uh he needs to take a he, this might be a positive thing just to relax and see uh what's best for himself instead of trying to please everyone and just work on uh financial you know working on uh, all these different uh, uh programs and everything
1: and like i said like a lot of like african history has been lost uh, as far as african americans go but i think in order to find it or to find the truth it, it shouldn't involve trying to degrade other people
2: i totally agree i'm just i'm still a little shocked over you know just everything that happened and um I'm still a fan, you know, of Nick Cannon, for sure. You know, there's a little bit of an emotional attachment there because, you know, kind of watched the shows growing up. It felt like we grew up with him, you know, watching his movies. And then, you know, of course, Wildin' Out, I'm a big fan of the earlier seasons of um, Wildin' Out. Newark, you know, not as much, but, you know, I just hope that he, you know, gets in a a good, you know, space, you know, spiritually, mentally. Just praying for him, man, you know. He's a very intelligent man, like he was saying, um, a good businessman. And um, I don't know if a lot of people knew, know, but he um, he was shining a lot of light on Dr. Sally. I don't know if you guys know about him, who was a, a herbalist and stuff like that. He, you know, has a background in like medicine and stuff like that. And I thought that was huge right there too. That you know he kind of try to shed light on him and what he was trying to accomplish. So. I think he is a good man. I think he just got caught up, you know, in the moment of, of the realities of everything that's going on right now from, you know, pretty much white, white supremacy, racism, you know, police brutality, genocide. But like you, like you were pretty much saying, so we can't, you know, blame our whole entire nation, you know, based on that, on the actions of a few individuals who have hatred within them. You know, we can't, you know, uh, discriminate, or had that deception or on a whole entire body of people because of that. You know, and us, especially if black people, we can't have that type of mentality because we should be able to understand that because we've been oppressed. So for us to treat, you know, others with that same energy, that makes us just like them. In terms of our history, we definitely have been disconnected, you know, from our true history. So you're right, when it comes down to we really don't really know. Everything is just really, you know, an educated opinion. You know, to be honest with you, I think the best solution you know, for that, it's, you know, obviously for us to go and, you know, try to retrieve a lot of that, you know, lost culture, you know, language that we, you know, pretty much were disconnected with, you know. We got to seek that, but we can't, you know, just go, you know, based on, you know, all these different stories, you know, that pretty much uplift, you know, one nation puts down another nation. Um, That's not the right way to call it. Um,
3: Yeah, it's just pretty sad that he, you know, he feels that, not that he feels that, everyone else feels that he's turning his back, that he's being an Uncle Tom. That's just absurd to me because this is the same man who was out, you know, during the protest. Like, you've seen him out there, you ain't really. that many other celebrities out there in the front lines nick kennan was literally out there his pictures to prove that he's been out there so for anybody to think that he's been uncle tom or anything like that for apologizing it's just insane and like i said um he just needs to well we us everyone just needs to pray for nick because like i said um i'm pretty sure hopefully it's not you know he's not suicidal hopefully obviously like everyone said he cleared it up, but you just never know. Like, someone could just be crying wolf sometimes, you know what I mean? But the thing is, you just gotta pray for Nick now. Like, you know, I remember watching Drumline when I was in high school. You know, I played the drums, so I was watching Drumline over and over and over, just so I could try to, like, play what he was playing. So, like, and this is high school days for that and I got that even before that, so Nick is, you know, he's a real big inspiration To me, honestly, now that I think about it, I, I, you know, grew up as a kid watching Nick Cannon, so it would be really sad if something bad happens to Nick over, you know, his comments that, mind you, if anyone else had made it, and I'm not trying to justify it, but if anyone else had made comments like Nick, probably would have went brushed under the rug, honestly. But, you know, that's the world we live in now. And like I said, it's just, insane for anyone to believe that Nick Cannon isn't for black people or for a good cause anyway. He was out there on the front line. Not just that, but the the man also like he's done made comments for black people as well. Yeah. So I mean yeah. It's just insane for anybody to believe that. And like I said, I keep saying it, but we gotta praise him. Yeah. Oh, and another thing too, like the, the his Dr. Sebi, I was cause, uh you know, rest in peace to Nipsey too, you know, like, yeah. he, him and Nipsey, like, you know, he took it over after Nipsey, so that's another reason to show you that Nick Cannon really cares, because he took it upon himself to finish that doc, you know, that Dr. Sebi documentary after Nipsey Hustle himself, so, there you, I mean, I don't know, some people just get me mad sometimes.
1: Don't you want to say
3: something?
2: Yeah, I was just going to leave it off with this. So, um, just set light since we're talking about the whole, you know, uh, suicidal thought, you know, scenario and social media and how much of an influence that can have on someone's mental state, um, we have to be mindful of the things that we say and, you know, the whole canceling somebody, all of that. And these celebrities, you know, they're human beings too, so we need to be mindful and Right or wrong, some of the actions that they might like, take, you know, some of them they deserve, some of the backlash that they get. But we need to be mindful of the things that we say. Words have power, and you never know what someone is going through, you know, mentally.
0: Yeah,
1: and just the other day, uh, just to put this out there, uh, the number for the suicide uh, hotline, if, if you're feeling that way, it's now nine eight eight. Kind of the same way you call nine one one for the police. You can call just 988 uh, if you're feeling suicidal, you have suicidal thoughts, or you just want to talk to somebody with about things that you just feel like you, you can't come to grips with. Uh, it's now 988. It used to be a full seven or eight-digit number. And, you know, just dialing that long thing or trying to find it, you know, people, it, you know, so many lives were probably lost trying to, like, find the, the number for that. I remember Logic actually made that that song uh the the song named after that number about suicide uh to raise awareness so now that number is just 988 so if you're listening and you're feeling uh some type of way or you're feeling uh discouraged about yourself and the way your life is going you could just call 988 uh people will be there to talk you through it and hopefully bring you back to us before you do something heinous
0: All right, now we're going to change gears and talk about uh, something that some people like baseball. My pastime is pro wrestling. Uh, It's crazy to say this, but I've been watching for almost 30 years because I started when I was really little. like I was like a toddler, pretty much. My older brother and I would go to the video store, yeah, uh, back in the day, and we'd rent the old uh, Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan era VHSs. And then by then, it was already like mid-90s, so then we started watching like the TV shows and everything. Uh, my dad, my mom, with their busy schedules, they made sure that we went to a few live events too. A c- couple of big ones too. And basically, uh, we, most of us grew up with like the Attitude Era. And that was like when, th- that was cool. And I uh, think like, fond memories of hanging out with my brother watching those, those old uh, so-called late 90s, early 2000 moments. And then I kept watching, but it wasn't the same because obviously I was getting older. But I just kept watching, and actually a couple of years ago, I started going to live events. My girlfriend got me a Christmas gift. It was Raw Twenty Five, and she goes all out when we do events. We were like pretty much on the uh, the uh, the ramp aisle. I saw all my favorites. I saw like I saw all those all those guys. And then I started going to the indie shows in the New York City area. That's when things changed. Uh, it was, that was more of a do it yourself mentality. And be the same guys and girls, and women uh, at the same, same shows. I actually met some people through there, a lot of cool people. And I started an Instagram account just to show like classic moments and like funny memes and all that. And uh, just started growing. It's been two years since that. And one of the guys I saw at one of the shows, it was the first time, the music hit. And it was a song from one of my favorite comedies wet hot american summer and i was like oh I was like, who's this he strolled out denim jacket denim pants sunglasses very nonchalant uh, everyone else knew him right away and i was like, i don't know who's this hands in his pocket when he got to the apron he basically like rolled in the gold flow and everything was very nonchalant and then the, the announcer was like from Whatever, Wayne, whatever. Here's Orange Cassidy. And I, at first, I was like, oh, this is silly. Because his opponent was like, they were like, squaring up. And he had hands in his pocket, and he just started kicking the guy in the knee. In the, in the, the shins. And everyone was like, oh. Like, he just did a crazy move. I was like, oh, this is kind of silly. But then it kept going. And then, like, five minutes into the match, he, like, exploded. He started doing, like, backflips, uh, hurricanans all these crazy moves, and I got into it. And then I started going all the time, and I met uh, a lot of cool people, saw a lot of cool guys. And recently, all those, most of the people that I saw, like, front row in, like, tiny gyms and, like, churches, now they're on uh, national TV on AEW, TNT. Uh, me and Shug, I, I mentioned it to Shug, and I was like, you just check this out. This guy's pretty funny. And Shug, when you saw him first, what did you think?
1: Yeah, like, I, I came... I came across him on like a uh, Twitter or Instagram post and I wasn't too familiar with him, but I just saw his style and like his attitude and it was just something like I hadn't seen in, in years. And I think the post really had nothing to do about wrestling. I mean, the, the, the caption might've been like, Oh, this, I wish I could be this like chill. This, this is me at work or something like that. Right. So I think I sent it, to Mike and I was like who is this dude like he's my new favorite wrestler now so then Mike tells me like yeah I actually met him he's he's really big on like the indie scene um his name is Orange Cassidy so I'm like is he really like that like all the time does he just like you know wrestle with his hand in his pocket like and just like you know too too cool for school like is that his whole gimmick and, he was, and Mike was like yeah like He was like even when I met him, like he didn't talk to me. He just like took the pictures like real like nonchalantly. So I was really impressed by him. And uh, for those who who are listening that might not be familiar with wrestling or might only be familiar with WWE, uh, since WCW went out of business in two thousand one because WWE bought it, uh, it hasn't really been there hasn't really been a, a competitive or a competitor for them. That's actually on their level. Um, You had TNA, but I don't think TNA was, what I'm finding out now is it never really was meant to compete with WWE really. But now you have AEW, which was actually founded by a few disgruntled former WWE employees, who kind of wanted to get back to the 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 zone where your gimmick and your gimmick is like your character and your persona like where your gimmick and your storyline are uh, the, the wrestlers have input whereas in WWE uh correct me if i'm wrong mate the writers the writers and Vince are the ones who create the storyline and create you know tell you where your character is going stuff like that whereas AEW you know guys are who they are and they're just packaged like that and you know for like I don't watch either uh regularly like weekly like I used to back in the day but from what I've seen with AEW it's a lot it's far more interesting on a lot different levels than WWE is today. It's a lot more entertaining in Ring. It's a lot more the characters a lot more entertaining. So Orange Cassidy really captured my attention because, you know, we talked about Undertaker um a while back where he basically owned his gimmick and brought it to different levels. And Orange Cassidy, he he's really dedicated to his gimmick. So it's just something that's that's just been lacking in the wrestling world um, over the past um, 20 to 25 years or so.
0: Exactly. Uh, that's a great point. And I know, uh, Joel, you used to watch it back in the day, right? When you were, like, younger as a kid. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
0: it was a, yeah it was a ton of wrestling. Like, I was, uh, you know,
3: WCW. I used to flip back and forth when it was the Monday Night Wars. Like, always back and forth. WWE or WWF back then. WCW. And, like, I liked the, by the fact that especially early wwf that like teams like the oddities it was just weird a whole bunch of weirdness like awkwardness and i like that's what i like more than just like a you know obviously i like the stone cold characters but it's always a lot more like wrestling is going to be a lot more fun if it's just a little weirdness to it or like awkwardness that's why you know with orange Cassidy. Like his whole style is just like laid back and like awkward, glasses on, hands in pop. He has jeans on, like like dad jeans on. You know what I mean? So it looks like he's not even there to wrestle. He just looks like a fan that came out. They did. Oh, we need a couple bucks. That's what it looks like, and that's what I like. He, he's not really like that, musclely. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just like roaring wrestler. He's a laid back, calm wrestler. And even like the moves that I think uh Shabon sent me like his YouTube like you know, best clip a compilation of his moves. And the guy can get down sometimes too. Like he could flip. He has like some agil uh what's it called? Hurricane Agili- runaway. Agility. agility agility. I'm pronouncing that right.
1: Agility?
3: Yeah, there we go. Agility. He has a lot of agility doing the hurricane runner, like Mike, you said, you know, I've seen a couple uh Highlights of them doing that, and it's just that's really impressive. I might go into you know watching wrestling a lot more now for AEW, especially now that I got you know some time on my hand. It kind of brings that nostalgic feeling, like I said, like this awkward, weird wrestlers, which I
0: like. Don't hey, know, there you go, AEW your new fan, I got your new fan. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Don't know, I agree, right?
1: man. I'll...
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um, similar to you guys, I grew up pretty much being a big fan um, of wrestling too. WWF, um, as what it was named, as you guys know, I was a big, more of a big fan of uh, versus WCW. Uh, I grew up watching Shawn Michaels, uh, Brad Hart, uh, Stokeholm, Undertaker, uh, the wrestlers like that. So I've been a fan for a long time um, through the Attitude Era, all the way to the Ruthless Aggression Era. I um, also was a little bit of a fan of like John Cena, uh, Randy Orton, Edge, and cats like that. So I've been a fan for a, a very long time. I want to say consistently all the way into like 20, 2015, after that, I started you know, losing a little bit of interest, just a little bit, especially with the WWE, and that they were going in personally, I, I felt like it was too PG, um, it was getting to a point where she was too predictable, um, you could tell you know, they were lacking with segments and, and writing, you know, AEW a- pops up to the same Like Siobhan and Michael pretty much the same or earlier, um, WWE for years really didn't have a true competitor against it since WCW, which they brought out in like, 2001. Um, so e- AEW, a- I really like um, just because it's fresher, um, I feel like they give more creative freedom to the wrestlers. Um, and I think they have all overall better characters. And think into the arm, I feel like he goes hand in hand with uh, Cassidy. Um, he's fresh, he's bring, he brings something new to the table, he's innovative, creative, you know, it's not typical predictable, you know, it's something new, it's something that the fans will love. Uh, so I'm a big fan of him, just for all of those reasons and everything that he represents.
0: That's awesome, I'm glad I brought this up because uh... Everyone's saying, you know, like when we were younger, it was cool. It was like, you know, of course we were young, but it was mainstream. You know, everyone was talking about it. You know, it was uh, people would wear the T-shirts. You'd see guys, you know, uh, wearing the Austin 316 out in the street. Uh, Now it's still, it's you know, obviously a niche. You know, it's a niche thing, but uh, I think um, with social media, a lot of people are checking it out. But with that, how does that translate? How does it translate into money? Uh, So. Basically, uh, I'm thinking how that's going to work out. And a lot of people are saying uh, with Orange Cassidy is that, oh, he's a joke. He's comedy wrestling. Uh, a lot of the old school guys are saying, you know, that's not, that's not wrestling. But like Shug said, when, when I, I took a photo op, I'm not a guy. I don't like photo ops. I used to hate getting, like, things signed. I didn't like that. I just figured out, I'd check it out. It would be, you know, be kind of funny. And, uh, like, he was in character, you know. And that's called K Fabe and no one does that anymore if you go on social media it's like they have their real names they're like shoot names and it kind of like breaks the illusion i know we all know it's like you know it's be- performance i knew that when i was like like when i was like four or five i knew it wasn't you know but um he's like the only one who's like always in character and uh i'm i'm it's ironic that people from the old school like don't appreciate that uh you know so that's basically like i i taught i i brought him up because I feel like he's one of the guys who can attract the mainstream. Uh like, an, like a Laps fan, like Suge. Uh, you guys, uh, like Joel, you watched as a kid. Uh, Darnell, you got kind of tired of it a couple of years ago. And uh, I think in the future, uh, it will translate the ratings, but uh, with COVID, they don't have an audience in the, uh, in the arena. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like piecing things together and it's kind of suffering. But... The main event for the last couple of weeks uh, involved Orange Cassie and Chris Jericho. You guys on Chris Jericho, of course. Oh yeah, one of the ghosts. Y
2: two J. One of the ghosts, man. That was, that was one of my personal favorites of uh, all time. Uh, Sean Michaels is number one. Chris Jericho, definitely my
1: top song. And Jericho Absolutely. might Jericho might be like one of the only he like you might want to put him in the consideration for like. Creators all time because he was like a top professional wrestler in four different decades because he he was on, on top in the nineties, two thousands, twenty tens, and now the twenty twenties. He he's like the the guy also in AEW, and it ain't something like um, Hulk Hogan where he just goes to places and he's just like put into main event scene, you know, based off of like reputation, like he's actually a worker. And, and, you know, that that's a, that's a, a word, uh, a dictionary word for wrestlers, workers. And I think with Orange Cassidy and AEW and a different slant that they're doing wrestling and, and, and being innovative, you know, I don't know, Mike. Do you think he's somebody that would be like the face of a company, or do you think he is some he essentially is just like you know a gimmick to draw people in that you know would otherwise not be interested in 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 um you know a classic wrestling match.
0: Yeah. So going back, one of my favorite one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is someone that not everyone knows. I like. Uh, the new age outlaws are like the Badass Billy Gunn uh, you ask somebody on the street about him you know they're not, they may not know him most likely but he wasn't the face of the company he was you know but people wore the DX shirt and everything and it was a draw you know like the everyday guy would wear the suck you know you know we were all like little kids on the it thing and it was a big deal like they had like inside edition would be like what's going on with the kids in America it was like a big deal and I think that Orange Cassidy is just kind of like a little cool draw. And then you see like the bigger guys, the main event guys, which helps because uh, WWE, you watch that. Well, I haven't watched it in, I watched like the SmackDown premiere back in the fall. And I just couldn't get into it. It's like the same, there's no personality. You you turn it on, you got like the same writers writing like everyone's, everyone's speech. It's like a speech now, like a monologue. And it's not like uh, natural. Like it or not, like there's so many different personalities in AEW, they're doing their own thing. Uh, sometimes it's you watching, you know, you don't like one thing, but then you watch somebody else. Um, like there's the uh, formerly the uh FTR, and uh, everyone would like, say they're like old school, and but then the next match, you'll see Orange Cassidy, you know, kind of doing what they call comedy wrestling, and I think uh. Basically, you have Orange Cassidy to draw. They have them on the posters. but They have like 30 people on the posters. You bring them in. Then you see everything else. And they were doing really well before uh, they locked everything down with the quarantine. They had a huge crowds. They were about to do uh, eight, well, 16,000 in Newark. And I had tickets to it. It was a week after uh, they locked everything down. That would have been huge. That would have been like, like a pay-per-view level. And... Uh, it was rescheduled to February next year so like every other form of entertainment uh, they're kind of playing it by ear but let's see if this if this orange casting kind of dries up in a couple weeks and people just like don't care anymore and we'll see if it was all for not but I think it's going to help out and push it on and he's like you know meme worthy that's the future instead of wearing t-shirts and like sucking, it's memes
1: yeah yeah, he'll be everywhere on social media, and, and you know, just the fact that he, he did, he'd always be like, you know, somebody like Joel or Darnell would be like, oh, yeah, like, I am feel you know, I, I want to post something. Um, let me look it up a, a gift with like that wrestler that doesn't care, and he'll hit like, you know, they'll hit one of us up, and we're like, oh, yeah, Orange Cassidy. Cause, like I said, that's how I got, um. That's how I noticed him because somebody posted him, and I sent it to to Mike because I didn't know his name. It was like, yeah, this is dude Orange Cassidy, like, yeah, that's his his whole persona, his gimmick is just like he he really doesn't care. And then he he, he performs in a ring, he, you know, he does all of these agile things and these these wicked moves and stuff like that. But just the fact that his gimmick is a thing that draw is is drawing people in. It's something that's a
0: lost art in in wrestling today. Right. I brought this up because a couple of weeks ago, I was just looking for like a whatever, like like a like whatever. I was actually probably texting uh, Shug, and I was just doing like a whatever. And like the seventh one that popped up, and like just a generic or uh or whatever was him jumping through the ropes. And I was like, all right, that's, that's weird. And it wasn't even like, it was, it wasn't even trending that day. It wasn't even on the air. It was just like a random day. And it was like top seven. I was like, all right, let's, let's check it out. Let's explore it. Why not? Cause I'm a big wrestling fan. And, uh, he's going to puke. That's, that's based on Vince McMahon's famous line. That's my social media. Um, uh, I've been posting things about this show, trying to attract people. And I'm actually getting a, a great feedback from some people DM me. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to check out the show. But I think, uh, with this, let's see uh, if Orange Cassidy can draw, not just with AEW. Maybe they can draw some people into our show, and uh check it out, and then they'll stick around. Yeah.
3: Yeah. This, um, like I said, it's refreshing to see just a new type of talent. It's like, and like I stopped watching wrestling. I want to say, 2009. That's when I really kind of like stopped watching like WWE all and only because like. Again, it got predictable, this, that, and a third. And even if it was predictable, which I already know it's, uh, you know, a storyline, I already know it's scripted, but, like, at least the uh, wrestlers could be different, you know what I mean? And that's what I like from Orange Cassidy, that he'll be, even though I already know he might lose the fight or whatever have you, he lose the fight, or that's like, you know, just because that's how the storyline was, at least it'll be entertaining to watch him fight. It's real different
2: that's what I like about it. I agree, man. And um, it's really hard to find wrestlers who, you know, become a drawer like that. You know, it's very rare that you find a Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, um, Hulk Hogan, or even a John Cena, really. Um, it's really hard to find those type of wrestlers. Um, I've been on and off with, like, wrestling for the last, like, couple of years, like I was saying earlier. Um, one thing that kept me, like, interested, especially around, like, 2011, because um, 2010, John Michaels was my favorite wrestler. He retired after that year, so I needed something to keep me, like, consistently interested. During that time, you know, they were pretty much putting Cena over, you know, a lot. And I think everyone was, you know, exhausted from watching, you know, Cena win all the time. Um So, you know, CM Punk and the way that he had his run, you know, from, like, that period of time until, like, 2013, 2014, uh, that made me still want to watch the product for a little bit longer um, It kind of energize um, the company, you know, a, a little bit. So I, I see a similar uh, situation happening with uh, with Orange, uh, for sure, you know, bringing, you know, a, a, a pressure um, into wrestling, um, capturing people's attention. Um, and I see him being a, a huge draw. Um, I don't think, you know, it's going to be like a, a – one-and-done type of scenario, I think, you know, he's got some really great potential to to accomplish great things and definitely uh, have more viewers tune in. And not just wrestling, but like Mike was saying earlier, you know, people who talk about him too, like platforms like we have here. So I look forward to seeing what can happen. I'll be interested
1: to watch again. All right. So we're going to end the show off with our final thoughts. So I'm going to start off with Joel.
3: When the whole um, NFL situation with sexual allegations and assault, like I said, it's just never, in any situation, it's never okay to not have somebody under like some type of investigation if it's sexual abuse, especially if it's someone in a higher power like owners. And like I said before, it's almost like domestic abuse in sports is almost treated as like a slap on the wrist compared to sexual assault like you will get someone suspended for domestic abuse but you really don't hear much about uh, you know sexual allegations or someone getting in trouble for sexual allegations and that's the sad thing about it as far as uh Nick Cannon like I said um, hopefully the man gets some help I'm sure you know he just has to take it day by day he needs to see that we still care about McKinnon because that's his whole thing now, um, you know, with the cryptic message, he probably feels like the black community isn't with him anymore and that's not the case. Um, You know, he's for anybody thinking he's an Uncle Tom or anything of that sort, is just ridiculous to me. McKinnon's always, and has proven, uh, you know, with his consistent rallies, always attending these rallies, Protest. obviously the man is not trying to go against anyone but like um, like i said we just got to pray for the canon. and as far as orange cassidy again refreshing talent i like the awkwardness i like the fact that he goes in there with sunglasses and just almost out there and like he doesn't care like i said and then he just out of nowhere he shows up you know he puts up a good show
1: Uh, All right, Darnell, your final thoughts?
3: For
2: the NFL situation, definitely have to continue to shed light on the injustices and the unethical behaviors that's going on within the whole entire league, um, from racism all the way to sexism and everything that's going on with the women, paid referees and officials um, to owners. There needs to be more investigations that are consistently being held um, according to standards when it comes to the owners and what's going on behind the scenes uh, when it comes to, to not just the NFL, but um, other sports leagues as well. We've seen the situation that happened with Donald Sterling in the NBA a couple of years ago. That was just recently. So, you know, this is a representation that, you know, this is still going on today and it's going on not just in one sport, but you know, multiple sports as well. So, there needs to be more um, investigations on these situations, less bias, and there needs to be consequences for actions like this, uh, for sure. Now, when it comes to the Nick Cannon situation, like I was saying earlier, I think he's definitely for the people. He's a good person. He's definitely very intelligent. He's a great businessman. I'm a fan of his work. Um, I think he just got put up in an emotional standpoint um, in which you know he was pretty much just venting out a lot of things that he might may have or may not have necessarily meant. But at the end of the day, wrong bright right, that's still up for debate. But for sure, we definitely need to be more considerate on on his mental status and you know where he is at mentally. Um, so that's that situation pretty much. Um, for the Orange Cassidy situation, I think great talent. You know, he brings a fresh, new style, energy. You know, to the wrestling scene, and I'm a big fan of what he represents. He brings something new, something fun, innovative, creative, uh, for something for new, new fans to to, to be interested in. Um, he has the potential to bring in old school fans like me and uh, and Joel, You know, back to watching wrestling again. Um, so I see great potential for him. I'm a huge fan. Those are my final thoughts. All
0: right. All right, my final thoughts, I'll I'll start with uh, Dan Snyder, former Redskin franchise situation. I think uh, the media and the public, uh, social media, is going to keep the pressure on him. And uh, I think uh, it was important we brought it up where uh, you mentioned the HR. It was like one person. Uh, I think a, medi- a mediator is very important. But Dan Snyder had the private investigator. That's, uh, you know, everyone is, everyone, you know, but the allegations are like kind of like, mm, is it how how impartial will this third party be? Uh, so that's something I'm I'm looking at. Uh, the sponsorship, media, public eye are going to keep pressure on it. And then when uh, a couple of weeks ago, when the the name change happened, there was a there was a, a majority of a lot of people on the on uh, social media were saying, oh, it's not a big deal. It's PC. Uh, it's just a name, you know, like. Hey, they're not offended, you know. They and they pulled, it. they they brought up stats like, oh, well, you know, like they're fighting for, uh, like keeping the name, and that's basically like status quo. Yeah, you know, they don't want things to change, but I think how can you be against now this this story? You can't. So everyone now is, you know, pro finding out like what's going on and uh, taking the right actions, and you know, we'll see we'll see what happens with that. When they cannon earlier, I mentioned where I'm not offended personally. I said that because, you know, I've I've heard I follow uh, history and uh, science and everything. I know about the migration of people and everything. So I I wasn't offended personally, but I think it's very important that communities start a dialogue and uh, just keep that going because 2020 is the the year of tension, but also uh, potential for growth. And uh, I always say that. Things start with, things start with a bang, you know. But I think uh, with a uh, dialogue opened up with all different communities, down the line, we'll have a new, uh, a new status quo, which is going to be positive. With Orange Cassidy, I brought it up. So happy to hear you guys are into it. I wasn't sure. Uh, it made it, it's fun again, you know. And you see these characters, and you know I want to watch it. And I uh, appreciate you guys bring uh, talking about it. And uh, those are my final
1: thoughts. All right. With the new uh, story that I dropped about the Washington NFL franchise, as far as Washington goes, I said it, that their resistance to changing the name, even though it was what's right, and, you know, you want to be on the right side of history, uh, especially – you know, in light of yesterday, uh, Senator John Lewis passed. And that's somebody who died on the right side of history. So, you though know, you want to leave a legacy. And I think Washington right now, they have a very tarnished legacy. And I feel like Daniel Sy- Snyder doesn't realize, like, the hole that like, he's dug himself in from a society standpoint because you didn't want to change the name. And now you basically had a toxic environment where women didn't feel comfortable in the workplace. And we talked about Bubba Wallace and him breaking into what was basically like an all white club with the, the with NASCAR and the uneasiness that he's facing right now in order to be accepted there. And the NFL for the longest time, has been a boys' club. You're seeing a lot more uh, female coaches and co- uh, coordinators and trainers in the league now. But overall, you know, we're talking about our office environments where women are not feeling welcome. And I don't understand how every October for breast cancer awareness, you could have all of this pink stuff and say you support women, and then like Joelle said being be accepting of uh domestic abusers and also being accepting of women being harassed in the workplace i think you know i could i read that stuff and i couldn't even fathom being in a woman's shoes already trying to break into a place where you're not probably even viewed as a serious candidate and you know something that's probably Not been brought up, but you know, these women with all of these allegations being thrown around, you know, these women in high positions, you know, people could probably think that they slept their way to the top or accuse them of of sleeping their way to the top. And it's just incredible that this type of thing still happens. And it's like I told Mike earlier that you know, I think we lied because we said that madman culture in the office where, you know, guys were like sleeping with the new secretaries and playing grab-ass at work. Like, that was basically something left in the 60s. And evidently, it's very much present 50, 60 years later. Nick Cannon, you know, he made a boo-boo. And I don't want to seem hypocritical when other people say certain things and, you know, we ask for them to be cancelled. I feel like Nick, his heart or his mind was in the right place because, like I say, the African history and tradition has been lost and uh, taken away from us throughout history, and we won't find it, but the problem with that is the fact that we we can't find it and we can't figure it out for ourselves. You know, there's people that are going to create their own history, and our history includes demeaning other people or passing the blame to other people, whether it be Jews or all white people, when in fact there was, you know, uh, a group of white people that, you know, were the ones that, that, you know, have been habitually bad to us. But generally speaking, you know, there are plenty of good white people in the world. And for him to say that right now is just extremely outdated. Orange Cassidy, I find him fascinating. I find him entertaining. The other day, I actually had my nephew here. He's two years old. So I've been having my TV locked on like Nick Jr. and Disney Jr. and watching like Bubble Guppies and stuff like that. But he wanted to be in my room. And I knew Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy were, were wrestling that night. And I told him, because he, he always comes in my room, he's like, he want to watch something, he want to watch something. And I was like, listen, you're going to watch Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. That's how into it I am. And I'm just really glad that there's an entertaining alternative to WWE. Not to say WWE is, like, less entertaining, but it. I just remember, like, you know, the Monday Night Wars, they really couldn't take their, their their feet off the pedal they had to keep going in order to win that battle and over the last 20 years or so that competitive nature hasn't been there with with world wrestling and entertainment and i hope that all elite wrestling brings that back out of them and uh, uh, another thing about nikina i didn't uh, i forgot to, to repeat the number for the suicide hotline is 988 so I don't know if that went into effect yet. So soon it will, if not already. But I just want to wrap up the show by saying that I was told by someone that he hopes this show does well. Or it goes well. And I found that highly insulting to me. I found that highly insulting to Mike. I found that highly insulting to Joel. I find that highly insulting to people that support us, like Darnell and Kevin and our, our audience. I find it insulting to them. This show, its success is on our shoulders. And if you don't wish it upon us, you don't need to. This show is going to be successful regardless. We put a lot of work into us. We put a lot of research into us. We work and choose different topics that we found interesting uh between each show and we try to talk about it as intelligible intelligibly as possible and we're not working for anyone this is us this is shogmi me the Mooney. it was created by us for us we're not making anybody else money but us and we're not here to entertain anyone that doesn't want to be entertained by us. We always want to spread out and gain a new audience. And we hope that, you know, the people in our lives will do that and try to help us. And if they don't want to help us, that's on them. I'm not going to focus on the people that don't support us. I'm going to focus on the people that do. So all you people that has been with us from uh, the first episode that I did with Joel to the episode you're hearing right now please continue support if you jumped in in between please go back and listen we're on spotify we're on soundcloud it's pretty soon we're gonna be on apple but this has been shug me the mooney shug me the mooney shug me the mooney
0: standing up yes sir